وجه اكبر الله اكبر الله اكبر اشهد ان لا اله الا أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمدا رسول أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حيا الله
I mean. I mean. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent and Merciful. I bear witness that there is no God but Allah, and I bear witness that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. Assalamu alaikum, my dear brothers and sisters, and once again, Ramadan Mubarak. This is your brother, Abdul Mutakir Muhammad, thanking Allah for allowing us once again to partake in this blessed fast of Ramadan. Let me thank each and every one of you for joining us this morning on the Ramadan prayer line, the Umar Reflects, and we pray that our time together will be beneficial in aiding all of us or aiding us in our growth and development as believers in Allah. Oh, brothers and sisters, we want to thank our beloved sister. We thank Allah for Sister Aisha Prime and her words with us yesterday. She spoke on the yesterday's reading and on our beloved Prophet, Prophet Yusuf, peace be upon him, and how he handled the adversity that befell him from the vision from, the, from Allah all the way up to his brothers doing what they did to him. And in the end, how our beloved brother Yusuf forgave his brothers. What a beautiful, beautiful lesson for us to learn. We thank Allah for our guest speaker yesterday, Sister Aisha Prime. Brothers and sisters, we thank Allah for our guest speaker today and to carry us further into our program is our beloved brother and friend, Brother Abdul Akbar Muhammad. Brother Akbar. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam, my brother. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. I bear witness that there is no God but Allah, and I bear witness that Muhammad is his messenger. I greet my brothers and sisters in America and throughout the world with Ramadan Mubarak. Uh, it's a great pleasure just to listen to that call to prayer in the morning by Brother Shaheed. It's just it's touching. I used to talk to the believers. I said, Minister Farrakhan just touches my soul. There's so much that we can do, but he speaks into our pain, our suffering, and our happiness. And that's the way I feel when I hear the brothers call the prayer. There's one short story I want to tell you. Muslims came from the Sudan after the Honorable Elijah Muhammad left us, and they were with the Rabatah. They knew that the fastest-growing Muslim community in America and perhaps the world was the community in America under the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. So one of the doctors who was sent from Saudi Arabia, he was from Sudan, was sitting in the audience at uh, Masjid Maryam in Chicago. And uh, the minister was the one, they wanted the minister to call to prayer. And when the minister made that call to prayer, he turned to us and said, perfect, beautiful. And that's because of the minister's ability to sing them, number one, and he could carry that tune for the Adan so beautiful that it touched our brothers from the Sudan. I've been trying to say this for a while, but today I want to try to just finish up a little that we talked about. My duty to myself is that I have a love and an appreciation of history. And I know what history means to the movement of societies and worlds and countries. 
And so, therefore, you must hold on to your history. Don't throw it away. We uh, went to the country of Ethiopia. Unbelievable trip. The president, uh, Zanawi, invited us there. He had an excellent talk. He's no longer the president. But after we had the meeting with him, we went to the market. Most of the Ethiopians are thousands in America. No Mercado market. Uh, in Addis Ababa, and we went there, you know, just we were going to go and pray. There were so many people there, it was unbelievable. And I always say as I travel with the minister that the word about him, of him, and people want to see and touch him and hear him, how does it move so rapidly here in the Mercado market where there's a big mosque in Ethiopia, thousands of people. It was a rough ride because some of the people got physical and they wanted to touch the hem of his garment. I witnessed this. And so the word of the minister, he touches the people's soul and the word about his work in America moved around the world at a speed you would not believe. We went to a place called the Maldives. The Maldives is in the Indian Ocean, south of Sri Lanka. It's an all-Muslim country, and we had a rough time getting there. Uh, the minister's son, Joshua, bless his soul, he came to my room. He said, Akbar, can we speed this trip up anymore and get to our destination? I said, Josh, I'm doing the best I can, because he knew that the minister had health challenges and to stay up that long and keep moving and traveling. And we finally got to the mosque and the people just mobbed the minister. We did everything we could, including the security police. One of the brothers who has left us, Brother Salim, he was in the midst of it trying to hold the people back. Many people thought that they may want to harm the minister and maybe one or two in there that think like that. But they said, I just want to touch him. I just want to touch his garment. And you say to yourself, the word and the work of the minister has spread so deep in the Maldives. There's 1,200 islands there. It's only about 3,000 people, if that much. But his word and his work had reached the Maldives, touched the people, and he was in their midst, and they were not going to miss that opportunity. So I thank Allah for the work of the minister and what is going on uh, around the world in terms of the Muslims. The minister reached into the bottom of the pit where our people were suffering, and he used what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad gave him and touched those individuals to bring them into a new life, a new understanding of life. And as a Muslim follower of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, we thank him. He has given much to us, even in his time of sickness and when we thought he shouldn't do anything or come out, he said, I just got to go. He just wanted to go. I wanted to make these different trips to different parts of the world and share what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad gave me that changed the course of my life. So, Brother Minister, if you're listening, I thank you. The trip to the Maldives was hard. I want to thank uh, Brother Adima. He filmed it. And perhaps one day we will be able to show that film my favorite part is when the minister was preaching, and he was preaching hard. The Italian Muslim just had to see him after he heard him. 
said, Farrakhan, I got to talk to you. I have to talk to you. And uh, the favorite part of mine is when the minister, he had his cane, and he was teaching. He was in the mosque, and he was using that cane. He was hitting the floor, making his point. It was touching, and so maybe, inshallah, we'll get a chance to see it. So I want to thank you um, to our staff there. You're doing a wonderful job. Uh, you handle all of the hiccups very well, and we're keeping the count on the people who are listening to this podcast around the world. May Allah bless us with a successful day of fasting during this month of Ramadan. Assalamu alaikum. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent and Merciful. I bear witness there is no God but Allah, and I bear witness Muhammad is his messenger. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you, Brother Akbar, for that. That is a really fascinating story. Our special guest this morning is comedian Preacher Moss. And you think preach a comedian for Ramadan? But he is so much more than a comedian. He is a friend, he is a brother, and he has an amazing message for us this morning. Go ahead, Brother Preacher. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, everybody. My name is Preacher Moss, comedian extraordinaire. Uh, let me say up front before I start this uh, brief reflection, uh, Ramadan Mubarak. I hope everybody's having a blessed and successful fast. My talk, uh, our brief, is really to talk about Jews 14, which I thought as I read it and reread it and reread it was an amazing uh, dichotomy of understanding logic and belief. With two surahs, Al-Hijj and Al-Nahl, it's interesting that the premise is based upon the concept, or I would like to say the fundamental understanding of the believer versus the fundamental understanding of the disbeliever. And it's interesting because we begin to understand that prophetic tradition the Quran, the Son of the Prophet, has been built to directly address aspects of disbelief, communities of disbelief. Every prophet has had to deal with disbelief, or I like to say narrations away from the words and the promises of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I also find it interesting that even in these times, we have processes of disinformation, uh, of framing or molding belief in a different way or inappropriate way. So this this Jews is actually pretty amazing when you begin to understand that this is the premise of life of brothers and sisters. This is a byproduct of a competition of a relationship that's been going on for a great amount of years, since the beginning of time, that Allah promises blessings, but he says that the blocking of the blessings in many regards is that we lend ourselves to disbelief. The ultimate disbeliever, of course, is shaitan, but in Surah in, in, in Sur Hijj, they frame this as that there are levels to the disbelief. Shaitan, in my my relationship with Shaitan, I thought one of the greatest quotes was given by uh, a brother, Reginald Kitchen, who once said, quoting from the Quran, that Shaitan promises you everything and gives you nothing. He promises you 
everything and gives you nothing. But between everything and nothing, there is something that's fundamentally important that we overlook. That disbelief or the practice of disbelief requires time. I find that people who are versed and entrenched in disbelief are disrespecters of time. They don't understand the concept of time because disbelief does not allow for that. And so it makes it a predatory relationship that they have to have a relationship with the believer because the believer is always ensconced with the idea of time. We have a time to pray. We have a time to fast. Uh, Whether it be physical cycles, we have aspects of time. We have a calendar. And Allah promises us that time is not going to last forever. Think about that. That the believer understands the higher quotient of time. And it's not a, a, a didactic presentation by no means. What I'm saying is that time belies logic. Time belies logic. And why is that important? Because in Surah Nahum, it's interesting that Allah presents all the ideas. It's called the Surah of the Blessings. He presents all of the blessings that are in the presence of the disbeliever. All of the blessings. He tells you about the sunrise and the sunset. All the things. And the interesting thing that is that the things that the believer rejects are the things that they can't recreate on their own. Thus, it's a blind logic that they follow. And it's sincerely, immorally, ethically, socially, and culturally a waste of time. So if there is something that should be said for the believer is to take time and make a hard study of the disbeliever. Because as it's stated so it's, you can talk to the disbeliever as much as you want, but you'll just be wasting your time. That atonement comes on a day of judgment, Yom Kiyama. But for us here that do take the time to believe, take the time to understand the logic of what's been laid out to us in creation, I think, brothers and sisters, and this is just my opinion, I think that it rewards us with more time. And when I say rewards us more time, of course, we know our time is written in the book. But it gives us different ways to value our time, whether it's getting closer to Allah subhanahu Allah, whether it's our children, whether it's tending to our families, whether it's taking care of our parents when they get old, that it allows us different pathways to engage time and get blessings along the way doing it. So I would encourage all of us, look at the concept of the disbeliever, but don't waste your time. Take part and parcel of the fact that Allah has shown you blessings, blessings that you have and blessings you haven't even thought of, but he's carefully scoped for you and put in your purview what happens when you don't take care of these blessings when you don't understand how a proper application of time and devotion and love and serve service to your community and service to Allah subhanahu wa are the things that make time blessings. 
So just think about that. I hope you have a continued blessed Ramadan. My name is Preacher Moss. Assalamu alaikum for Talahi Ubarakatu. Take care. Walaikum salam, my dear brother. Brother Moss, thank you for your words with us today and encouraging us to be more mindful of time. May Allah continue to bless you, sir. All praises are due to Allah. We will now have our brother to give us the, what we affectionately call hadith of the day, Brother Jalil. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, Brother Musaka. May Allah bless you and all of those that are on the line today for the Ramadan prayer line, the Ummah reflects. Assalamu alaikum to all of those that have gathered today, this morning, for another day of fasting in the month of Ramadan. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah, we praise Allah and we thank Allah. And we seek Allah's help from the evil of our bad deeds and the consequences of those bad deeds. And we seek Allah's forgiveness. For in truth, he's the best of those that forgives. He's Al-Ghaffar, the forgiver. Whomever Allah guides, no one can misguide that person. He's safe, he's sound, he's secure. And whomever Allah leaves wandering aimlessly, no one can guide that person aright. They give open, clear, unapologetic testimony that there is nothing worthy of worship but Allah. God all by himself, he has no partner. And I bear witness that Muhammad ibn Abdullah is his servant and messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa The best book, dear brothers and sisters, the most truthful words is the book of Allah. And the best guidance comes from the Rasulullah, alayhi salatu salam. Every made-up thing in the religion is a going astray, and every going astray leads to the hellfire. May Allah protect us. I mean. Dear brothers and sisters, we thank Allah for preaching Moss. He spoke with us this morning about the juxtaposition between the believer and the disbeliever, and the striking contrast between those two sets of people. And brothers and sisters, that's a weighty subject that all of us need to look into. Because the disbeliever and the believer are two separate entities with two separate agendas. Allah says in his book that the month of Ramadan is a month in which the Quran has been revealed. Why was it revealed, Allah? He answers that by saying, it's revealed because it was a guidance to all of mankind. To all of mankind. Not just to people below the Mason-Dixon line, the Mason-Dixie line. Not those who, not only guidance for those on the west coast of America, or not just guidance for those in Saudi Arabia, not just guidance for those in Indonesia, and not just guidance for those in West Africa. No, dear brothers and sisters, the Quran was revealed to be a guidance to all of mankind. And though it was revealed in that manner, regrettably, the disbeliever doesn't take that guidance. He doesn't receive that guidance. She rejects that guidance. And the believer opens up his heart to that guidance. And the disbeliever, Allah says in his book, has a dead heart. 
As a result of that dead heart, Allah has put a covering over his heart, a covering over our heart, so that that guidance is rejected. One thing that Islam does that Brother Preacher Ma spoke about was the logic behind the disbeliever's belief. The logic behind the disbeliever's belief is subjective. It's relating, related to the Quran and related to Islam. It's reprehensible for the disbeliever in the, when the disbeliever sees a Muslim going 15, 16, 17 hours out the day and not drinking a sip of water or a morsel of food. That's reprehensible to them. It's absolutely absurd for the disbeliever in his logic to see the Muslim waking up at, waking up at 4.30, 4.45, 5 o'clock in the morning to pray to his Lord. That's reprehensible. That's absurd to them. It's incredibly deplorable for the disbeliever in his logic to see a Muslim waking up in the morning and throwing water on his face and water on his hands and washing his feet and washing his elbows and washing his arms to pray to his Lord. That's foolish to them because their logic is subjective. You can be subjective, dear brothers and sisters, with regard to your dunya life, your worldly life. But you can't be subjective as it relates to the Quran. You have to be objective. You can be subjective to your dunya life. You can be subjective when you're striving to determine whether you want to buy your wife a Mercedes-Benz or BMW. You can do that. You can be subjective whether you want to determine whether you want to paint your living room walls brown or make them off-white. You can be subjective if you want to determine whether you want to send your child to the Hallmark Institution of Winston-Salem State University or make the horrible mistake of sending them to Bowie State or Howard or Tennessee State or Southern University or Morgan State or Hampton. You can be subjective like that. But you can't be subjective as it relates to the Quran. You have to be objective. You have to yield to what the Quran says and, and say, be as it is. That's the way we have to receive the Quran. But you only can receive that if you have a heart that's filled with openness and not a dead heart. A heart that is alive, a heart that is fertile, a heart that is fertile to receiving good news, a heart that is fertile to receiving faith. Because the heart that is dead is not fertile. It can't receive it. It rejects it. The disbeliever, dear brothers and sisters, is doomed. He's destroyed. I beg Allah, I plead with Allah, I petition Allah that he allows us to be safe on this path of Islam and safe on the path of the Sunnah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam, Brother Janil. Thank you for the hadith of the day. We will now go to our sister, Sister Nisa, with the Nisa report and the fast facts. 
Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, I bear witness there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his messenger. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Our fast fact of the day is Surah Al Fatiha is lit. It's a beast. It's like that. Or however you describe amazing things in your culture. Al Fatiha is one of the most unique surahs in the Quran. Allah has commanded us to recite in every rakah and every rakah and every salat and every salat al-Fatiha. Muslims worldwide have a relationship with al-Fatiha. Even those who don't pray regularly, they even have a relationship with Surah al-Fatiha. Well, what does al-Fatiha mean? It is translated as the opening, but it also means the way out. Imagine your latest dilemma. Next time, consider Al-Fatiha, the way out, the opening. Al-Fatiha is the beginning of the Quran. Scholars have said the rest of the surahs in the Quran serve as commentary to the opening. Al-Fatiha starts by praising Allah. Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful. Then it tells us to worship Him and Him alone. That includes obeying His Messenger, and it concludes with us asking Allah to guide us along the straight path. Al-Fatiha combines internal knowledge and external commands. Allah tells us to say, And it means, Thee alone do we serve, and thee alone do we beseech for thine aid. Our worship, our worship is external. It's what we do. Seeking help is internal. That's our heart connecting with Allah. Have you ever wondered how many times or how often Al-Fatiha is recited? On any given day, in any given month of the year, hundreds of millions of Muslims making Salat are saying, guess what, Al-Fatiha. On average, a praying Muslim says Al-Fatiha at least 17 times a day, on average. Islam is mathematics, and that adds up to 6,205 times a year. If just 50% of the Muslim world is praying this verse, it is being said over 20 billion times per day on average. Let me repeat that. If just 50% of the Muslim world is praying this verse, it is being said over 20 billion times per day on average. Those numbers go up during Ramadan when we tend to pray even more. This is estimated to be over 7 trillion times per year, and that's just in one year. Can you imagine how many times Al-Fatiha has been recited since the Quran was revealed? It's mind-boggling. Or how many times you have said Al-Fatiha? Or how many times I have said Al-Fatiha? Or how many times will Al-Fatiha be said from now until the Day of Judgment? No creed, no declaration, no poem, no chant, no hymn in any language or any religion even comes close to the amount of times Al-Fatiha has and will be recited. So, dear Muslims, let's reconsider Al-Fatiha. We seek Allah's help in performing the worship we say in Al-Fatiha. Our fast fact of the day is Al-Fatiha is lit. Thank you for listening. I leave you as I came in peace in our Arabic original language. As-salamu alaykum. Rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaykum salam, Sister Nisa. Thank you for the Nisa report and the fast fact. All right, brothers and sisters, our reading for today. We're on day 14. It starts with chapter 15, verse 2, through chapter 16, verse 128.
Surah 15, Ayat 2, through Surah 16, Ayat 128. Once again, we'll ask our brother, would he bless us with closing us with prayer, Brother Shaheed? As-salamu alaykum. Let us close with prayer. Qul a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Alhamdulillahir rabbil alamin. Ar-Rahmanir Rahim Maliki Yawmiddin Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'in Iqdina sirrat al-mustaqin Sirrat al-ladina an'amta alayhim غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل أعوذ برب الناس مالك الناس الله الناس من شر الوسواس الخناس Al-Ladhi Yuas Wisu Fi Suduri Nas Min Al-Jinnati Wan Nas Ameen Ameen Brothers and sisters, as we close our program, we want to thank our special guest on behalf of our special guest this morning, our beloved brother, our brother Preacher Moss, thank you for your encouraging words with us today, dear brother. On behalf of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and his family, we thank Allah for you, dear minister, and all that you do uh, uh, and your family. On behalf of the Executive Council of the Nation of Islam and their families, and we thank Allah for each and every one of you and all that you do in aiding the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan in spreading this mighty word of Islam. On behalf of the ministers and imams, who spread this word of Islam in their families. We thank Allah for you and all that you all are doing. On behalf of my co-hosts, Brother Akbar, Sister Nisa, Brother Jalil, Brother Shaheed, and on behalf of each and every one of you that come on the lines with us, we thank Allah for each and every one of you. Let me leave you as I came to you with the greeting words of peace. Inshallah, we'll be talking again tomorrow. As-salamu alaykum. Subhanallah, walhamdulillah, wala ilaha illa Allah, wallahu akbar, wala hawla wala quwwata illa billahi al-aliyil azim. Glory be to Allah, all praise to Allah. There is no God but Allah, Allah is great. All power and might belong to Allah, the Most High, the Great. Subhanallah, walhamdulillah.